Um, what do I do for my spare time? I like to play sport with my boy. My boy's three years old and he loves surfing and skating and all sorts of stuff like that. So he and I just, we, we live about 15 minutes from the beach and we have this big hill down from Colorado Plateau to DY and he and I will skate to DY and that is a great joy for me because he's only three, like watching this little kid. <laughs> he's brilliant, yeah. And um, Smarties or Gummy Bears? I said before, easy gummy bears, always. I just don't understand why it's such an easy decision for you. So I don't like chocolate, so it's a really easy decision. Right. And gummy bears, not only, like if you'd picked chocolate and some other lollies, yeah, okay. it would have been, but okay. gummy bears are my absolute favourite lollies. What so. about Cole's gummy bears? Are you still Ooh, up no, for no. it? No. Right. Okay. So I'm just going to pray for Jamie um, before he kicks in, Perfect. so Thank why don't you. we pray for him? Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much for your word and that it's alive and active. And Father, we just thank you for this um, incredible call um, that you've made us in your image and you call us to create. And God, we just pray um, over Jamie now as he speaks that um, you would inspire him and um, that uh, the words that he speaks would um, yeah, resonate with us and change us and that we would leave here with a creative vision for um, yeah, what you have for us and, and the purpose that we have in our lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Also, if you feel like asking questions at any point in time, just, hey, you, and go for it, and I can repeat something, I can explain something, um, or you can even encourage me just to move on, um, which is also appropriate, because sometimes my wife tell, tells me I do go on a bit, um, so you can stop me at any point in time. Uh, what I want to do is actually share a bit about some of the things that I've started, so my story, but also reflect on this verse uh, throughout all of that as well. Um, but the first thing that I was involved in starting was actually Soul Survivor. Um, I was involved in a, a, in a bunch of other things as a, as a young kid, I'm sure, um, but in terms of like real starting an organization or a movement, uh, Soul Survivor was, was basically it. So it's really significant to be back here. I don't think I've been at a Soul Survivor event for about 10 years. Um, but to see like all of you here, how old are you guys roughly? 16. 16, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't ask you guys. Uh, I, people stopped asking me a while ago too. Um, but back then the fashion was slightly different. We had really puffy pants and like guys would wear them really low. I was looking out this morning and man, youth has changed, hasn't it? Also, yeah, you just look great. Um, <laughs> anyway, so um, I was part of Soul Survivor and what happened basically was uh, there was a team, I was at a church which Matt Gelding was the youth minister at and um, we made a connection with Soul Survivor in the UK which uh, is Mike Pilavachi and a bunch of these guys came out and we ran uh, two nights of worship um, and teaching and ministry where we just connected with them um, because when you create something new it always happens in the context of community in the context of relationship and connectedness so um, we connected with these guys and there was a real sense of um, yeah God is doing something here uh, in our midst he's doing it over there he's doing something here but he's doing something between us and um, and so what we did is that we started a team, a small team from our church uh, that, that, that organized the first Soul Survivor Conference the following year, of which me, as a 15-year-old, had the immense privilege to, to be a part of. And I suppose that was uh, the first time that I was exposed um, to starting something new. And I worked for Soul Survivor um, for a number of years and then I spent some time with them in the UK but, but throughout this time um, involved in starting a whole bunch of ministries as Matt said this morning, um, soul teams, we spent a lot of time on the road in New South Wales driving out meeting um, new churches and, and kind of spreading the word and, and getting involved in that. Um, but the, the thing that I took away from that experience is that creating something new always happens in the concept, context of team and relationship. Um, and uh, Matt has obviously been a really special part of my life um, in that sense as well. And uh, last week I actually got an email from one of the new, the, the most recent things that um, I was involved in creating with somebody else. Uh, and it was from a guy named Johnny. Um, hands up if you remember the cyclone that hit Vanuatu last year. Yeah. It was the biggest cyclone uh, to hit that region, and so it, was, it had a devastating effect. Not a lot of people died, which was fantastic, but it caused a huge amount of damage. And um, I felt God was, um, 
I call it like my, my starting something new heartbeat. Like I felt something moving within my, my, my spirit. So um, I asked my brother if he wanted to go on a mission trip and we went over to Vanuatu. We took a whole bunch of water filters, uh, which kind of provided for their immediate needs of water and sanitation. Um, and we connected with a bunch of aid organizations. But the purpose was to go and just um, see how we could be a part of not just relief, but the rebuild within Vanuatu. Uh, and the most important thing in there was actually not to impose, but to observe and to, to kind of see what God was doing in that space. And uh, there's a village uh, in which the best surf break exists uh, called Pango Village, um, which when you fly into Port Villa, which is the capital, it's kind of not too far from there. And there's this village, Pango Village, uh, where we met this young guy called Johnny, who's 23 years old, and he um, runs the Christian surfers over there. Um, his dad is an evangelist who travels throughout all of the different islands in Vanuatu. But there was something special about Johnny. He mobilized the surfing community uh, following the cyclone to uh, take water filters all throughout Vanuatu, which is a series of islands, which is why we initially connected with him. But then the, the other thing that we were inspired by is that everyone had all of these amazing things to say about this young 23-year-old guy. And uh, through his work with the local surfers, they had actually changed the, the social fabric of the village in, in Pango. Uh, there was a high level of drug and alcohol abuse amongst the young people there. And surfing, giving them a sense of purpose and activity, was actually taking these young people outside of not only their, their pain and their suffering, but to all, it was opening up the world for them. These guys are the Me Melanesian surf champions. They're the best surfers in, in the Pacific at the moment, um, all because of his work with the surfing community. So we, we noticed Johnny as a leader, and we also noticed that God was doing something in the, the surf community. Um, I'm a passionate surfer. My brother is a passionate surfer. And uh, so we came back, and, and Johnny came over earlier this year and spent a week with us learning how to start a business. And um, so we created um, a company... Uh, in Vanuatu uh, called Surf Vanuatu and what it does is it takes tourists which um, the tourism industry is their biggest um, provider financially as a nation um, and so creates this pathway for surfers to not only take over water filters when they go but then as an income form for the local surfers and Johnny employs a whole bunch of other Christian surfers and again we see the surf industry being a part of social transformation in that place um, and I think a lot of it um, both in the beginning and now comes from this this worldview this understanding that I believe that as followers of Jesus we're recreated so as Tom said we were created and we're fallen but we're recreated so when we when we put our faith in Jesus we're recreated to imagine into existence a new and a wonderful world. A future that is different to the present. So starting something new is the same as creating, isn't it? It wasn't there and now it exists. Starting something new is creating. It's part of our DNA as those who are created in the image of God, the creator, isn't it? We're created in the image of the creator. And Erwin McManus talks about this idea that we are works of art and artists at work. So if you kind of go away with anything today, I want that to stick in, in your mind, that we are works of art and artists at work. I thought it'd be helpful um, to gauge why people came to this seminar. Why did you choose to come here? Was it because nothing else grabbed your fancy? Um, you preferred the air conditioning in this room, your friends were going, what, why did you come here? What are your expectations? No expectations? Pretty easy. I can satisfy that. <laughs> um, I came because uh, I, I know God's just been putting stuff in my heart to see happen. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, just wanting to see what that looks like. Yeah. So God's laying some ideas of stuff to happen. That's exciting. Good on you. Thank you for sharing. I, uh, I'm good at starting things, but I 
often I get bored with it. Do you know what I mean? There's a word for you. It's called entrepreneur. <laughs> that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, and I actually think that's an encouraging thing because that taps into the whole idea that we create in the context of community, doesn't it? So there's definitely some skills that we can learn to, to follow things through. But one of them is realizing that we, we create in the context of community. There's going to be other people who will grow, other people who will sow and etc. That's great. Thank you. Anything else? So you see God doing some new things, but you also feel that he's doing some new things in you as well. And where do they meet up? Yeah, yeah. That is, yeah, yeah. Well, I pray that you get some revelation into those steps forward. That's awesome. Anyone else? So starting new songs and new ministries and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's fantastic. Anyone else? No? Cool. Well, my prayer is that um, today... So would you pray with me? Let's pray. That's a good idea. Father, I pray that we would know and express our new identity in Christ, Jesus, your Son. That we would imagine into existence a new and a wonderful world through the songs that we sing and the lives that we live, the things that we create and the vision that, that, that you have given us of your kingdom coming here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. So what's art? Maybe start with you. Do you have an idea? Um, music? That could be. Yeah, yeah. What's art? Sorry? Expression. Expression. Man, you've got to hit him one. Anything else? What's art? Any other ideas? Imagination. Imagination. Yeah, yeah. I think you two actually just answered it, isn't it? It's the expression of our imagination. It's taking that which is within and giving it form and function. It's those things colliding, isn't it? It's the expression of creativity and imagination. What sets humankind apart from all other species on earth? We're made in the, image of the, in the image of God and we are creators, therefore. What makes us unique amongst all the other species on earth is our, our unique ability to imagine and create. That's what separates us from other creatures. They can role play, they can perform, they can pretend, but they cannot imagine abstract concepts. They cannot imagine a better world and then bring that into existence, create a new future. That's what sets us apart. I don't know if you've heard of the magazine, the Slate magazine. Um, anyway, they, they talk in this science article about the two major features that set us apart. Our open-minded ability to imagine and reflect on different situations and our deep-seated drive to link our scenario-building minds together. Okay? So the first thing is our ability to imagine and reflect on different situations, to come up with problems and to um, think about things in a, um, in a cognitive way. But also this idea that we like to join our minds with other people's minds to create in community and create better solutions, therefore. We're, we, we're avid scenario builders. I don't know if, if that's just me. Hands up if you kind of play out scenarios in your mind all the time. Yep, we tell stories. We, we picture future situations. We can imagine other people's experiences. Empathy, like that's incredible, isn't it? 
we can contemplate potential explanations for, for certain things. We can plan how to teach and we can even reflect on moral dilemmas. What sets us apart is our ability to imagine and create. As followers of Jesus, we're, we're recreated to imagine into existence a new and a wonderful world. So I want you to turn to the person next to you or the person closest to you and uh, repeat after me. Are you ready? You're looking at each other, gazing into their eyes. You ready? Repeat after me. We are God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which he prepared in advance for us to walk in. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is my most absolute favorite verse in the whole of Bible, in the whole of the Bible. A verse that I believe it is, if it's understood and expressed, actually reshapes your whole life. It reshapes the churches that you're a part of and it reshapes the world that we exist in. This, this verse is incredibly powerful. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 and we'll, we'll look at that in a bit but including its place in the broader context of chapter 2 verses 1 to 10 is a new creation narrative it talks about being dead and then saved by grace which is what Tom was talking about this morning and then the result of all of that and, uh, and it, I have called it a new creation narrative um, for those of you who don't know, a creation narrative answers the important questions of where did I come from? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Creation narratives answer the important questions of identity and of purpose. So therefore they shape who we are and how we live. Throughout history, creation narratives have played an important role in shaping the identity of individual people, but also whole communities. Identity formation is crucial, isn't it? But it's also unavoidable. You can't say, I'm not going to form my identity. It is being formed. Our identity is formed by our family of origin. It's formed by our friends. It's formed by the world in which we live, the culture that we exist in. You can't avoid identity formation. It simply exists. Because we are a story-formed people. Does that make sense? We're formed through story. We, we do what we are. Does that make sense? Our actions are a reflection of who we see ourselves as. And, and I do a lot of this with uh, couples in terms of uh, pre-marriage preparation and understanding your family of origin because your past will often, usually, impact the future. And so we, we do what we are. And the story that you believe is the story that you live. Okay? And the creation narrative in Genesis chapter 1 to 3, which you've probably heard talked about before, uh, which has in the beginning God created dot, dot, dot. So the, the creation narrative in Genesis was written for the purpose of subversion and identity formation. Because there's a whole bunch of creation narratives that were circulating at the time. It's not like the creation narrative that we have in the Bible is the only creation narrative that existed. At the time, all cultures and people groups had these stories that shaped their identity. And so the, the one that we have in the Bible was there to subvert, to challenge the truths of what the other creation narratives were, were saying. And it was done to therefore shape the identity of God's people with this whole idea of them them expressing or living out what they know who they are what they learn and so the new creation narrative that's found in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 10 functions in the same way it functions to um, uh, shape our identity it, it answers the questions from whom did I come what is my nature why Am I here? What is my purpose? Remember, we do what we are. Okay, turn to the person next to you and say, We are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece.
We are his masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. But like, like Tom said this morning, when we think about being God's masterpiece, it's actually nothing that we do there, is it? It's everything that he has done. The good works flow out of that. We'll get into that in a minute. But this verse summarizes what's come beforehand. We are his masterpiece, fashioned by the hands of the creator God himself. What is your favorite piece of art? If art is imagination and expression, it could be anything. My mum's favorite piece of art is a spreadsheet. She's an accountant. My wife used to say, I'm not creative. And I was like, just because you have a scientific mathematical brain doesn't mean you're not creative. Because she would look at me writing songs and she'd be like, oh, you're the creative one. I'm like, no, you are creative. You have things that are within that you express. Your whole life is a piece of art, isn't it? So what is your favorite piece of art? Flowers. Flowers. Amen. I love that. What else? The ocean. The ocean? Really expressive dance. Really expressive dance, cool. I have this book, and it's like um, it's like a graphic novel in a way because all the words make pictures on the page, oh, and wow. it like impacts the way you read it. Ooh. And I just brush so hard on it. So, yeah. That sounds like a great book. I wanted really to get a copy of that. Are they for sale? Um, yeah. Excellent. I think my favourite art form used to be uh, music. I used to really love that. And um, having been in that industry for a number of years, kind of, especially after recording, it's like you hear the same song over and over again. And yeah, man. So now music is not my favourite form of art. I actually, the older I get, I'm really appreciating nature, but also um, painted art. I, I'm finding that that is actually really inspiring me at the, the moment. God's favorite piece of art is us. We are his masterpiece. We are the climax of his good creation and the hope of his new creation. There's a great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, and he says, The church is the world's hope. As Christ is the hope of the church, so the church is the hope of the world. Have you guys sung that song, Build Your Kingdom Here? Mm. We are your church. We are the hope on earth. Okay, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to quickly flick open to Ephesians chapter 2. Just so that you can see that I'm not lying and it's all there. <laughs> Always an important thing. I'm not going to go through it, but I encourage you, especially in light of Tom's talk this morning, if you read 2, 1 to 10, God will blow your mind. Um, it is such a fantastic piece of scripture. But what you see is this... Most of it is, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions, you, 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 you. And then when we get to chapter 2, verse 10, it shifts from being you to we. For we are God's workmanship. We are his workmanship. And so not only does this indicate um, the author, who is Paul, his identification with the audience that he's writing to, but it creates this platform of collective origin of collective purpose. That as those who are followers of Jesus, those who are um, God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus, we have a collective origin and we have a collective purpose as his people. And I think this is uh, one of the, the hardest things to learn when you're starting new things for God, is that it's so much easier to run off and to do it on your own. Because you're, like, if you're like me, you're the one with the passion, you're the one with the purpose, and so it's just easier and less complicated to try and do the thing on your own. And uh, having been a part of a whole bunch of startups throughout the years, I had some really negative experiences on teams, because that's just the nature of being on a team, and I didn't realise that. And so if I had my time again, I think I would have more we than me when starting in the future. And an example of this was when we started the church, H3O Church, um, five, six years ago now, uh, we had a really small team, a bunch of people who uh, were quite disenfranchised with church. They didn't like going to church. They didn't like Christians. Not a great way to start a church. Um, but because I had the passion and I had the purpose, it was, um, it, we, 
we just kind of went ahead and it, and it was fruitful it was fun um, but towards after a number of years of being the sole carrier of the vision it got very very exhausting it was really really hard to call people up to join teams and to, to have ownership in that space because I had um, tried to do everything on my own essentially um, and so starting new things for God involves the gifts and the talents of others sometimes you might be the ideas person uh, or you might be good at getting something off the ground but you need someone to come on board who has the gift of administration or the gift of engineering who can think about structures and systems for taking groups of 50 and making them groups of 150 um, you might have the gift of faith but you actually might need someone with the gift of intercession and prayer so that we're like coming back to God. I think that I'm a doer and so often um, it's easier just to start and then ask God to catch up with me. And so I've learned the older I get um, that I need to start with him and pray and to get those people on board as well in that place. See, we create in community, as I've already said a number of times, we create with the charismata, um, which is the gifts and the talents that God has given to each of us, all of us, to create in community. Matt's actually exploring that at the moment in another seminar. So if you'd like to go, you feel free. Yeah. It's probably better than this anyway. But, um, <laughs> but he's, he's talking about the idea that everyone gets to play. And I'd actually even take it one bit further. Maybe I can go and share this with him and say everyone has to play. And I, I know that that's Matt's heart. I know that that's what he's getting at there. But it, creating happens in the context of community with all of the different gifts and talents and passions that God has given his church. Hands up if you saw the Facebook movie. I think Facebook is a perfect example of the fact that nothing happens in isolation, does it? If you think about uh, Mark Zuckerberg and how many lawsuits he is facing because everyone thinks that they have a slice of the pie because they input it into the idea at some point in time, it's probably true. Ideas, um, startups, ministries, all of this, there is always, because we're talking about creativity, it always happens in the context of community. That sitting in his room, creating the very first... Thing out of a spiteful end to a relationship with the girl. He's sitting there with all of his mates. And yes, he's the one on the computer, but they're all kind of throwing ideas and egging him on. And so without that egging on, he might not have actually created. And so even the egging on person, there's, there's, there's a gift of egging on there, if you like. And then when he's commissioned by the, the two brothers, the rowers, and uh, their friend to build something which was very similar to Facebook, again, he got ideas from that because we never create in isolation. We create in the context of community with the gifts and the skills of others. One of the most remarkable things about humans is that we can strive to make some kind of difference. We may deliberately practice random acts of kindness, spread the word, fight injustice, teach the next generation or start a revolution without the urge to connect our minds such traits could not exist. Again, this isn't me speaking. This is from a scientific magazine. We create in community. We are his masterpiece formed by the very hands of God himself. We will do what we are. If we are his masterpiece, what will we do? If we are his masterpiece, what will we do? What, how does that impact and influence the way we live our lives. We're God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. Again, it's not why or how we get salvation, but the, the outflow of that salvation. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to walk in. And Ephesians is this fantastic book that spends a, like the first three chapters looking at identity formation. That's all it does is it talks about things, truths in a way that shapes our identity and then the, the remaining chapters actually talks about what that looks like in life. So Paul in chapter 4 bases Christian living principles 
on an identity that has been formed in Christ. That's how Ephesians works, really simplistically. Two halves, identity formation and the way in which that new identity is lived out. But some of the the truths that we're meant to marinate in, the idea of being in Christ, those things that help to form our identity the way we see ourselves, can be found in chapter 1. And I just want to read a few of the things that that, that shape our identity as those who are in Christ. We're chosen before the creation of the world. So the, the author's trying to root our identity back before time began, when things were good. And that's meant to influence how we see ourselves. To be holy and blameless before him. Verse 5, loved and, love, loved and adopted as his children. These are truths that are f- shaping and forming your identity. To the praise of his glorious grace, redeemed and forgiven. That's a pretty good platform from which to live, isn't it? If you've ever been told you're not worthy, if you've ever been told that you're not loved, and maybe you haven't been told it, but someone's actions have showed you that, this is not how the Creator God sees you when you're in Christ. You're loved and adopted as His children. Out of that flows the good works that he has prepared in advance for us to walk in. So we are completely saved by grace, as Tom talked about. So while good works are not the origin or the catalyst for new creation, they are its purpose. That's what we're created for, to live in this way that glorifies God, that lives restored relationships with one another and with creation. The story of new creation is bigger than a cosmic pardon, which it can kind of be whittled down to, but it's this this story of praise and purpose. The great theologian N.T. Wright says, the good works that Paul mentions are our new way of being human. Isn't that great? The good works that Paul is talking about here are our new way of being. Starting new things for God is simply the new way of being human for those who follow Jesus. It's part of our identity. A good friend um, and I started a company called Surfing Lessons Sydney, uh, or Sherpa Surf School, uh, about seven years ago, as a way of redeeming the surf culture. I don't know if you know much about the surf culture, but it's a pretty dark place. Um, there's a whole bunch of drugs and alcohol, um, an incredible amount of violence. So I can remember being out in the surf one day at Narrabeen and a guy had been recently let out of jail and for previously he'd smashed someone's head in in the car park. But anyway, so he's back in and he paddled and I wondered why there was only one guy out and everyone else was down this end, but the surf was good there. So I paddled out there and I go, he goes, mate, you come here, I'm going to etc etc I was like oh hey man just just relax just relax but the surf in the the surf culture is is a dark culture there's some really um, broken things that that go on there and so we started um, uh, a company called Surfing Lessons Sydney not only to redeem the surf culture but also to introduce people to the joy of surfing often um, when we have hobbies like surfing they can become an ultimate thing We can love surfing. I have a lot of friends like that that love surfing and surfing is their ultimate thing uh, above their families, uh, above their relationship with God and it ends up ruining and dominating all of those other things. So for us, it was actually not about the love of surfing but the joy of surfing. The God has created the waves for us to enjoy and we wanted to introduce people to that. So we started this this business. He was um, heading up Christian surfers on the northern beaches at the time so he had a good connection uh, from that sense and then uh, we started this this thing that we ran uh, competitions for local surfers uh, connecting in with the surfing fraternity and we would give out prizes we would connect them with the local uh, surf shops and uh, and then all of we have all of these students uh, we ran for the homeschooling group um, 
we did their kind of sport and rec, if you like, um, on, the, on the northern beaches. And so there was this great connection of, of trying to bring hope and life to the, the surfing community on the northern beaches. And we've seen that very, very slowly um, through our presence being there each and every day and uh, connecting with the cafe owners um, and that the surfers are trying to be contributors to the local culture rather than people who either are isolated from that or bring it down. And so the whole idea of, of starting new things is, is this idea of, of grabbing God's vision for his kingdom being realized in a particular area. A place where there might be a hopelessness or brokenness. And, and what does it look like to see God's kingdom come in that space? And so for us, that connected with a passion, which was surfing. Sometimes it can connect with a gift. It certainly wasn't a gift. Um, I was a passionate surfer, not necessarily a gifted surfer. He was a bit more gifted. But it connects with both our passions and our gifts. And so what I thought, does anyone have any questions before I kind of finish with a framework for us? No? Cool. Okay. I thought I'd leave you with a bit of a framework for creating good. Um, obviously, there's the way in which we live our lives, but I, I'm talking more about like starting new things, whether it's uh, a new youth group, whether it's uh, a new ministry to a need in your local community, uh, whether it's a new business venture, uh, a social enterprise. Um, so here's a bit of a framework. And because I like to make things easy, I've made an acronym out of good. So G-O-O-D. That's all you need to remember. G-O-O-D. Okay. The first one is G, generate ideas. So you've got to start with an idea. And a good way to start with an idea, as I said, is to start with a gift, a passion, or a need. So does anyone... If you think about your local community, can you think about a need? Any needs in your local area? No? Your areas sound fantastic. Maybe um, like people that aren't in church or are nervous about going into church. Mm-hmm. Like there's a need for people to have the experience of church community without actually having to go into a church hall. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Great. Any other need? Yep. Drug abuse. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think we are planning on starting like a little children's group. Yep. And there's also a skate park down there. Yep. That's great. An idea that I'm thinking through at the moment is that um, in our area, when couples get divorced, it's really hard because it's such a high cost of living. And so they've either got to live under the same roof. Or, and so if there's problems with domestic violence or whatever, so how do we actually help them in that process with crisis accommodation? And so you see that there's needs in your area. And so you've got to start with an idea. What about a passion? Does anyone have a passion or a gift that you feel? Worship. Yep, you've got a gift in worship. So what's something, an idea that could come out of that, something new? New for us would be like uh, worship like Yep. Yeah, yeah, starting a weekly worship night. That's something new that's coming from a gift. Anyone else got a gift or a passion? Little kids? Yeah, counselling for little kids. So maybe starting a counselling. So you've got to start with with an idea, and that that comes from um, a need, a gift, or a passion. Okay? So generate an idea. O is offer input. Because as I said, we, we create in the context of community. And, and so we need to, once we've got the idea, we need to offer input, get people to sharpen that. Or, so think about some people that you might respect and then share your idea with them. If it's about a counselling service for kids, um, yeah, what do you think? Do you think I'm on the ball with this idea? Uh, and they might push back and, and shape it a bit more. Um, Because also, I think good is defined in the context of community as well. It's not just what I think is good, but actually good is is, um, better formed by all of us. So generate idea, offer input, and obtain buy-in. Again, another part about community. Obtain buy-in. Can you think of at least two people 
that might join you. Because as I said, if you do it on your own, you're really going to struggle. Can you think about two people that might join you? They might not be paid. Uh, it might just be people who help gatekeep the vision. Can you think of two people that might join you? And then the follow-up question to that is, do their skills complement yours? Or are they exactly the same as yours? They might be, and that might be what you need, but I think you need to kind of understand what their skill base is. So can you think of two people um, who might join you and do their skills complement yours? And this is a really important thing that is often overlooked. Do they share the same values as you? Because that's, that can be where teams come unstuck. And so it's really helpful when you're obtaining buy-in to talk about your values and why you're doing this and see if they have the same values as to why they're doing this. And here's um, a question that you can ask yourself about obtaining self-buy-in. Um, again, tapping into what you are saying earlier in terms of pursuing, continuing to pursue the idea is there something about the idea or its implementation that compels you to really devote yourself to it? And be really specific. Because if there's something about the idea or the process, the way it unfolds, that gets you really excited, when things get tough, because it will get tough, it will get hard, you'll be faced with obstacles and challenges from within, from external, it will be hard. And when it is hard, you need to have had the buy in yourself. And so you need, to, you need to be able to cling to the thing either in the idea or in the process that compels you to keep going. And finally, so generate idea, offer input, obtain buy-in and do it. D. It's simple, but often most ideas don't ever happen. Thinking and reflecting on myself here. If I started everything that I came up with, that would also be a bad thing. But there is, once you've gone through this process of generating an idea, offering input and obtaining buy-in, you've kind of discerned from God that this is something worth pursuing. Because you've invited people into the process. And so I would say pursue it. Do it. Don't be afraid of failure. Thomas Edison and the light bulb. Have you heard that story? How many times it took him until he got it right? Do you know the way he reflects on it? I have not failed. I have just found 10,000 ways that won't work. He had this vision, he had this dream, and he did it. And he says also, Opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. Again, which is why I think it's important that we ask that question what in the idea or what in the way in which it will unfold am I passionate about and, and cling to that okay does that sound alright what I want you, what time do we finish three does anyone have any questions it was either too simple or too complex how do you decide what So every day I go for a walk, I have a new idea. If you're like me, which is most of us, it's just inside of us. Um, and that's where I go through this. And if I get to the end of it, I've, all, like, I've pursued it enough to know whether or not it's going to work. And I've got the, the input from others. And I'm, by then, I do it. Um, so I think that that's kind of a filter, if you like. You kind of start up here, you're going to have lots of ideas, but if something gets to the end, to the ooh, if it's goo, then you take it to the D and you go the glue. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm the opposite of that. I need people around me to start the yeah. ball rolling, but then I can go, that's not going to work. Yeah. And that's where I've benefited from people like Jamie, where you, you like... People need to say, that is a stupid idea. <laughs> have you thought about this? I mean, sometimes I have an answer because I have thought about it, but sometimes someone else might have the answer. And that's why we're creating community. We are his masterpiece.
And like with everything, there's early adopters and there's laggards. Have you ever seen that bell curve? It was clearly done by an early adopter because they named the other people laggards. <laughs> Slow people. Uh, but these people are actually really good to have in your community because also they help to shape and form the ideas. If your community is just full of those, yeah, they follow through. If you're full of people like me, you make others tired. Sorry. You had a question? Um, yeah, it's a really good question. So it depends on the type of project. I've now developed, so some of the businesses, I don't draw an income from any of the businesses because I'm paid full time as a minister. And so the businesses, and I, they don't involve much of my work anymore. My goal is to make everything um, scalable and sustainable so that it exists without me and then it can grow exponentially. Um, and it's not dependent on me. So what I do is that I actually leverage some of the businesses to help seed fund. Um, but in terms of starting up, um, when we recorded, I started a, um, a worship organisation that put on worship conferences. And this was after my time with Soul Survivor and we did CDs and stuff like that. And um, we, we applied to donors and got seed funding. So that, that was what, that's one way that you can do it. So you write proposals, you write your idea, you show them how you've got buy-in, how you've um, thought through all of the different questions that people might have and, and you go, do it, and you say, and we need you to do it. <laughs> we need your money. Um, and, and they might come back with a bunch of other ideas and when you go in with this stuff, have a soft heart and an open mind and it will always be better. Um, so yeah, there's there's... Write propose. It's like when a missionary goes to the mission field, they'll often um, write letters to churches. Um, you can write letters. There's a whole bunch of people that I didn't know existed that are filthy rich. And they have these trusts, and they give out of these trusts. And so if you're starting a not-for-profit, you can actually put a proposal to them that they might give $5,000 to um, if it meets their criteria, or the council. I've written lots of proposals to councils because a lot of work that I've done has benefited the local area. So you write a letter to the council, you go through their process, and they'll give you some money. Yeah. Um, what do you do um, with like criticism or stuff like that? Like you have an idea and then people like, oh, work better this way. Yeah. But you feel that moves away from the core, like, part of the idea or the value of the idea? Yeah, I think there's two answers and it's not simple. Um, firstly, you need tougher skin and I didn't have that. I used to be really precious about my ideas um, but they were always better, I found, when other people came involved. Um, so I needed to get over... They're not criticising me, they're, they're actually challenging the idea. So I, so I mentally moved the idea out of here and out, not here anymore, it's out here so we can all talk about it objectively. Um, and then so because it's out here and it's objective I can then put on my hat and say well objectively I actually think you're missing this part of what the heart behind what I want to do it and then they can go at it but it's you're taking the emotion out of it yeah got time for maybe one or two more questions any tips on helping people capture the vision yeah, so some, I, I do a bit of business and life coaching and um, so there's, um, um, so for all of us um, as people we process things in a certain way, there are people who um, the past influences the present and how they make decisions, there's people who the future um, influences how they understand the present. And so um, only 30% of people are future orientated people, which means 70% of people are past orientated people. So in terms so for each of these there are hurdles and then there are accelerators. So things that we need to overcome and things that will help them move. Uh, and so there's so for future orientated people, the things that 
um, like me, I'm a future orientated person, the thing, we do a lot of worry. Yeah? There's a lot of worry because we don't know what it's going to look like. Um, and so um, I can pick on future orientated people because I'm one of them. But there's, there's certain things that you'll need. So all I need is a goal and I'll move. Like, I don't need anything else. You've sold me the vision. I've usually signed up before you have finished. Um, so I'm a future-orientated person. Most people are past-orientated people. Most people in our churches are past-orientated people. So as a leader in our church, we need to understand this, especially if we're this. So to move past-orientated people towards something, we need to think about things like dissatisfaction. They need to be dissatisfied in order to move. Um, dissatisfied with the their current status quo um, and uh, but then they also yeah there's a whole bunch of other stuff that I could go into that but I think in terms of selling vision understanding that there is people and these people still have some of this and vice versa if that makes sense like you, you're never one or the other but you're oriented more in one direction and then and so whenever you're speaking to a group there's going to be all sorts of people here and they're going to need different things it's an interesting concept to think about with your sermons and your application what does it mean for a past-orientated person to receive the gospel versus a future-orientated person? Anyway, getting off-topic there. Um, yeah. Sounds very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is fascinating. Where do you get your inspiration? The Sunday school answer is Jesus. Um, <laughs> But I don't mean that in a glib way. Like, the more in love with Jesus that I am and the more I surrender my life to him, the more I can't contain it. Um, and so that is the simple answer. The other answer is that I've worked out what I need. And I took too long to work that out. Um, but I need time on my own. So as much as I extrovert certain qualities, I'm an introvert. And so I need time to recharge. So walking... Um, I walk every day now. Um, I used to just bash my head up against the wall and wonder why no ideas were coming or no songs were coming and it was because I was trying to force them. Um, and so for me, and that's again where your personality comes into it as well. Uh, so a lot of my ideas come from spending time just with God walking and the benefit of walking is that I walk around, I've got a route that I go around my suburb and I see all the need, I see all the brokenness. And, and God is just speaking to me through all of that. Um, so it's like prayer walking. Yeah, it is prayer walking. <laughs> that's what, yeah, I didn't create it. It's just there. Um, but that's, yeah, took me too long to realize that. I used to focus on the idea rather than focus on Jesus. Um, anything else? When you, have, when you are trying to start something new, move fast or move slow? Yeah. Well, I think that that's the key question, is discerning what you need. So with Vanuatu, there was a fast bit and then a slow bit. And the fast bit was to get over there and to observe how they were responding, what their needs were. But the actual then implementation was a year later. And that's really hard for me because I need it to happen quickly. Um, and so I'm learning to slow down because most people move slowly. Um, so I think it's being discerning of the people that you're, you're wanting to serve, um, the people that you're wanting to lead. Um, and then also, if you're like me and you move too quickly, you have to keep telling yourself to slow down. Um, yeah, or have others tell you to slow down. I've asked people to do that for me in the context of our church. We have a great, um, some of you might know Matt Stanton, he used to lead worship here. Um, he's my best friend but he's also um, the chairman of our board and I've just said to him dude I move quickly I need you to tell me to slow down when people aren't there because I won't discern it sometimes I'm just so caught up in the idea um, so you, again you just need all sorts of people around you I'm going to finish but I want you to do one last thing what did you find most helpful about our time together. I want everyone to think about that. What did you find most helpful? What is that one thing that God might be saying to you?
Can I just get a couple of people to share their one thing? One of the things is the word Christian is only mentioned two or three times in the Bible. And actually the word used for the people who believe in Jesus are actually followers or disciples. And one of the problems with Christian is it can just leave it as some kind of assent to an idea. There's plenty of people in this world that believe in God. And there's plenty of people who would even say Jesus is his son. But are they actually following him? And actually when we follow him, we see a Jesus who did brought new things into existence all the time. So yeah, it's great. Anyone? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's there. You ready? You could go now. Like literally go now. No. <laughs> um I really like the um just uh, what about the idea is going to keep you going? That's good. Yeah, and it, notice how interesting. Like that was your question, that you, what you were expecting, and then therefore that was the thing that you heard. That's fantastic. Thanks, God. I think it's the reminder that everyone's creating. Everyone has that potential, and I and. So I'm in this minute, and often people will talk about themselves in the negative. Yeah. I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not that. But we're all made in the Yeah. It just lives out in different ways, and it looks different yeah. in different personalities and differences. But mm. it's just speaking out that truth mm. that everyone, you know, has that potential. Mm. So true. And that's what I love about what Soul Survivor is doing, that everyone gets to play or must play. Um, yeah, I just think that we need we need that language in our churches because there's no such thing as consumers and producers. We're all contributors. We are his masterpiece. Amen. Anyone else? No? Fantastic. Um, yeah. Um, yep. I'm about like getting help from others. Because mm-hmm. I often struggle with that because I quite like doing stuff by myself. Yeah. It's often a struggle to admit and ask for help. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you there, brother. One of the a helpful tip on that, I was coaching a guy who's in his 60s and planning a church, and um, he, like me, goes on and on and on, but he finds it really hard to share vision with people, and so I just said, can you boil your vision down to what we call in business an elevator pitch? In two minutes, can you tell me about what you want to see? And so when you go to people, you can have something prepared beforehand. Um, it's almost just a way of saying what you're passionate about, but it doesn't become blurry and confusing. Let's say things. I'm sorry. Cool. Can I no, 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 I thought. No. No, no. That is totally cool. Let's when you said like um, your most creative expression, expressive, when you're most like in love with Jesus and the Spirit, um, like no matter how hard we think or try to think, mm-hmm. that's something. Amen. The Sunday school answer is always right. Mm-hmm. Let's say thanks to Jamie. Thank you. I hope you're all as inspired as I am after that. Isn't it nice to like hear people like speaking your language and you're like, oh my gosh, there's other people in the world that are like that. Um, How great. And I hope that um, you're really inspired. Um, Do you want to just pray for us? I would love to pray for us. Creator God, we thank you that we are created in your image that we are your masterpiece 
created in your son Jesus loved and adopted cherished Father I thank you for the creativity that you have placed in each of us the skills and the passions and the gifts the ability to see need and to build scenarios around that need God help us to come together and build in community and to walk in the life and the ways that you have called in advance. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. We've got an hour of free time.